Hey guys, this is Bruce, and welcome to another episode of Convo Courses, where we are talking of today about 2023 and what I'm going to do for 2023, and what I suggest you you do for 2023. If you're actually trying to get into IT or you're in cybersecurity already or you're in IT, um, there's a few things that I that I'm going to actually focus on, and I think that it would it would be a good idea for you to think about these things too. There's three major areas that I think are going to be really big in 2023. And one is one is artificial intelligence. And the other is cloud is going to get even bigger and cybersecurity. Those three, I think those three things, uh, cybersecurity and specifically GRC. Um, if you haven't looked into these things, I would highly recommend that you do. Uh, for AI, there's a couple of applications that are out there right now from OpenAI. One's called Chat uh, GPT. Um, that's worth your time to look at. Another another thing that you could look at is called MidJourney that uh, takes an amalgamation of different images and puts them together and makes a new uh, image. It's just um, I think the tool, the tools of AI is what you should look at. Just just take a look at it to see how effective it is. They're not far enough along to like start replacing um, a lot of jobs yet, but I think it's coming. <laughs> I think it's coming. Um, it's chat GPT. Somebody said chat, chat GPT is great. I, you know, I, I messed around with it. I've been writing books and I actually tried to use it to write a chapter. And I was trying to write a chapter of um, NIST cybersecurity framework. And um, what it does is it's kind of like a quick, it's like a quick, wick, uh, it almost makes like a quick wiki page. Like if you've ever been to Wikipedia and how it breaks everything down, like it's very generic, you know, uh, it kind of does that very quickly. As far as it taking people's jobs or replacing like Stephen King or somebody like that, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I just I don't think it's going to happen. What I think is more likely is that it'll I think what's more likely is that it will um, be a great tool that helps cybersecurity and IT. And, and that's kind of what's already happening. Like. What I'm seeing is the use of AI in tools like, for example, Tenable or Splunk, they'll have built in features of AI that help to like, if they're trying to narrow down a, uh, a security incident, they'll have AI built in there. They'll have tools inside of there that will quickly help you to put together, put something together, but it doesn't eliminate false positives or false negatives or things like that. That's where us, that's where we come in. The experts come in to, to look at it and break it down. So I don't think it's going to be a replacement. Somebody asked me that question. Is it going to be replaced? Cyber, no, I don't, not yet, like maybe in 20 years, but like not now. So, um, chat GPT is worth your time, mid journey is worth your time. It's, it's really amazing. I think these tools are going to be used a lot more going forward. I don't think it's going to go away, um, despite the misgivings of it, like despite all the bad things that are going to come out of it. There's a lot of bad things I, I foresee coming out, like shittier content. <laughs> more regurgitated content will come out of it but i don't i don't think it's going to replace jobs just yet in in it and, and cybersecurity but uh 
maybe one day, maybe, maybe in about 20, 30 years, um, possible. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah. Happy new year. Somebody MD said, happy new year, Bruce. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Happy new year to you too. And, um, let me see. Kenya says, <laughs> how are you doing chief? Uh, good to see you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, good to see you guys too. Happy new year. Um, I hope you guys uh, keep with your new year's resolutions. I'm definitely going to, I just want, this is going to be a quick one. I'm, I'm not trying to stay on here too long. I have to got, actually do some runs, run around, get some pizza and stuff for me and the kids. So um, New Year's resolution, what am I going to do for my career? What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to focus on learning frameworks a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to get deeper into cloud technologies um, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on those things and uh, possibly expand, expand the business stuff I've been doing on the side to be a little bit more, uh, a little bigger. Somebody asked me, hello, may I ask you, and said, uh, can I ask you a question? What kind of jobs can I get uh, with no experience and a CompTIA security plus no degree? Um, and that's from Sister Stoic. Uh, with no... With no experience, what can you do? You have a degree. I, I would like to know a little bit more about you. What industry are you currently in, and do you have a degree? Because what you want to do is start where you are. And what I mean by that is, if you in if you're in retail, there might be IT jobs in retail right now that you can do. And I'm not. This is not a joke. Like if you happen to be in a healthcare industry, a lot of people from the healthcare industry contact me, and I always tell them the same thing: start where you are. There might be IT jobs right there. As a, as a matter of fact, in, in healthcare in particular, there's um, there's different things that they that they need you. HIPAA, HIPAA compliance. If you are in any kind of part, any part of healthcare, HIPAA is a big one. So HIPAA is is compliance with that helps protect the patient's medical data. And so that's a big one. That's something that I don't have direct experience with. Uh, but uh, have have dealt with a little bit, but you actually will have more experience than me with 20 years of IT and cybersecurity experience. You have more, if you're in the healthcare industry, have more and have more hands-on um, direct knowledge of what HIPAA is all about. You actually have an advantage in that. And you said, I'm in healthcare industry. Okay, great. So that's good. So healthcare industry is super duper hot right now for looking for people for compliance, so desperate that they're looking for people like me, who I'm mostly in the government. I don't have, I'm not in, I'm not in the industry of healthcare, but they they will hire me because I have some IT and cybersecurity experience. But what you can do, what I would do if I was in the healthcare industry, is I would look inside of my the hospital or healthcare facility I'm in, and I would see if they had jobs for IT right there. Cause sometimes they'll take you on as an apprentice. And since they know your work ethic, they know who you are. You already know their lingo. Every organization has their own like processes. You already know some of those. You can actually be taken on and start learning and getting experience in healthcare right now, especially if you already have a CompTIA a security plus or whatever you have you that's cause that's where you want to start is you have to have the knowledge. Because there's no repl- you you don't have it ha- have to have experience to get in this field, but you have to have the knowledge. And if you already have those certifications, that means you already are you already have some of that knowledge. 
and that's what you need. So I would start where I was. If I was you, I would look around right there. If, I, if there were no jobs for that organization I work for, I would look outside the organization and start looking for apprenticeships and other organizations um, that are looking for me. You can right now go to Indeed or LinkedIn and type in um, IT, just, just type in information technology and then um, look for no experience. Right now, there's filters where you can look for no experience and there'll be jobs there. And you can look in specifically in the healthcare industry because you can, if you're a nurse, if you are a CNA, if you are a medical biller, whatever the case may be, a doctor, whatever, right? You can literally put your experience and degrees in the medical field and hospitals will actually look on that and say, wow, this person actually has worked with HIPAA. You want to put your HIPAA experience in there too. Whenever you've protected data, whether it's hard, you know, uh, whether it's actually envelopes with with patient data in it you want to put that stuff in there you want to say you want to, to show the employers i have protected hipaa information before i know a little bit about hipaa compliance you got to put that in your resume start where you are you're actually at a huge advantage over many people so you can get in there all right so let me see next question kenya says uh, and kenya is actually in the healthcare industry as well there's a lot of people contact me about healthcare, the healthcare industry, trying to get into information technology. And you guys are you guys are, are in a prime spot to get in there. Kenya says, do you have a video on free HTML, Java, or SQL courses? What are your thoughts on IBM cybersecurity course? Why do people keep asking me that one? <laughs> um, so uh, for free HTML, Java, and SQL courses, I do not have any of those courses. However, if you go to uh, one of the best places you can go is Cor Coursera. Um, there's another one called Udemy. Um, and then L LinkedIn actually has a training site. And there's other ones like Pluralsight and Skillsh uh, Skill Skillshare, I think it's called Teachable has some. Anyway, um, or YouTube, YouTube for free. <laughs> For free, you can just go on these platforms. Uh, the ones I, that I've used is Udemy and YouTube a lot. I use those a lot for almost everything, especially for entry-level courses. They're, it's so good for entry-level stuff. Like if you really want to learn something from scratch, especially HTML and Java, I have learned how to code an entire application just with YouTube alone. I coded an entire application. I don't think it's, it's no longer on... Uh, iPhone. Um, I used to have it. I, I, it was good enough for me to upload it into iPhone's uh, store and then also into Google store. I coded an entire application on my own using YouTube. I self-taught, learned um, how to code it from, from nothing. It wasn't good. It wasn't the best. I'm not a programmer. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, go to YouTube, type in HTML, uh, learn how to do HTML or learn how to do Java, Java 101, stuff like that, YouTube and Udemy. Udemy, well, especially if you've never done Udemy before, they'll have these deals. Not good for the course creators, by the way, but great for people who are, are newbies because they give these crazy discounts of like you have a $200 course like myself. I put it on there and then they're selling it for like $19. I'm like, yo, that's why I don't put stuff on Udemy, by the way. <laughs> Uh, because they'll sell it for like $19 or $5 or free or something like that. Um, yeah, Udemy, Coursera, and, and YouTube to learn those. Uh, what are your thoughts on the IBM uh, cybersecurity course? 
Um, I think anywhere you can learn basic cybersecurity is good. Um, if they offer some kind of certification, I would I would go after Security Plus. If you know if you're going for a certification and make, trying to make money, uh, and you want to you, and you're good at self study, I would go for the CompTIA Security Plus. I would learn that, and then I would um, I would use that as a catalyst to get my career started. But yeah, any kind of course, IBM is an awesome company, you know, like they've been in this for, they started this stuff, you know, like IBM is, is a pioneer. So IBM cybersecurity, I don't personally know what the, what they're teaching in there. I don't know their curriculum or anything, but I'm saying if you are a beginner, any new information you get is good information, you know, like especially from places like IBM or um Google or Google has one called Google IT support, you know, uh, Amazon has a course like all of these major companies, Cisco, I think, has a course. Um, all these major companies has a course that you can do. And if it's free and you can get that information, yeah, go ahead and go for it. But don't stop there. Keep going, you know, and, and gather more information. So let me see. I do network. Um, I want to cross over how from networking. So what kind of networking do you do? Uh, so networking is a really good cross crossover place to cross over from. Networking is is uh, one of the best places to cross over from. Um, what kind of networking do you do? Do you have a CCNA? Do you have a, any kind of Cisco search? Do you have any kind of Juniper certifications? Do you have a, any kind of certifications whatsoever? Because I'll tell you this networking. There's there's a few fundamental um, there's a few foundational IT things that you should know, and the more hands-on you have on it, the better. And networking is one of them. I would say it's cloud networking and and basic cyber basic cybersecurity, basic computer troubleshooting. Those are like the four. I would say that like in my mind, like I wouldn't add software engineering to it. I would not. You know, it's good to know, like if you know software engineering, don't get me wrong, you're going to be you're going to be bad. You're going to be a bad dude, but uh, you don't need to know it. Not for fundamentals. Networking, cloud computing, basic uh, best practices of security and then how to troubleshoot basic troubleshooting on the computer, because then, you know, the components. Those are the four things I would know. But from networking, you want to get into cybersecurity to make that money. So you are leagues up ahead of most people in cybersecurity, in cybersecurity now. And the reason why I say that is because most people don't know as technical as they might be, they're not super deep on networking stuff. And networking is a fabric that ties everything together, right? So if you know Wi-Fi computing, if you know Wi-Fi, you're going to automatically know some things that you can do for hacking. Like you're going to automatically know how, how it can be exploited. You're going to know about rogue APs, you're going to know um, what a pineapple is. You're going to know, like, you're going to know certain things that most people are not going to know if you know Wi Fi stuff. If you know uh, basic networking stuff, like how to set up a router, how to the difference between a router and a switch, how to set up, um, uh, how to set up subdomains. If you just know that alone, it's huge because you, some of the basic tenets of cybersecurity are completely tied into networking. Like the difference between a public uh, IP and a and a private IP address, um, how 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 I how packets are routed back and forth, the three way handshake, T 
TCP IP, the difference between TCP and UDP. Like if you know those things, like you can actually branch out in several parts of cybersecurity. You can go into um, network forensics. You could go into digital forensics. You could go into cybersecurity analyst work because that's all they do is analyze packets. Uh, you could go into what I do, which is GRC, because you're going to have a real good, solid understanding of the technical side of, of, of computing. Uh, so like you could take your pick where you want to go. So how do you do it? Where do you go from here? Um, I would I would do if I was in networking is I'd get a security plus. It's the easiest route. The reason why I say secure, I go straight there is because security plus is marketable and it teaches you all the best, uh, all the basics of 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 um, of cybersecurity. And then from there, I would go and get a CISSP or a CISA or if you if you already have a CCNA, get a CCNA security. Because that's a real good certification, too. So that's what I would do if I was in networking. Okay, let me see. I got some other questions. I'm not going to stay long, guys. So I'm just going to answer a few questions. Let me see. I got another question from Jermaine. He says, hi, Bruce. Hard to get into the uh, government job with a CAP certification. Um, currently working on Security Plus, very knowledgeable of the NIST risk management framework. Um, they need people with a clearance. So RMF is for government jobs is only for government jobs. Um, is there a question here, Jermaine? Um, are you asking a question? Or are you just, let me see. They want clearance um, in the first place. So are you saying that you don't wear What's your status? Are you saying, you're saying, okay, you said it's hard to get a government job with, with just a cap. Um, and the reason why is just like you said, I think you nailed it. Like they're usually looking for, for government jobs, they're usually looking for at least a public trust, which you don't have to be a U.S. citizen for that. But for secret clearances and stuff like that, um, you you have to be a, a, a U.S. citizen. Somebody said, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, are you ta what are you talking about? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about, uh, Solomon, is that so Jermaine asked about, a, so a CAP is basically a GRC certification. Okay, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Okay, so cybersecurity is not just hacking, okay? Cybersecurity is not just hacking. It's not programming. It's not just technical. Cybersecurity has a whole other branch called GRC, where it's just documentation and policies. GRC stands for governance, risk, and compliance. That's where you go to an organization. You say, okay, are we meeting the federal state laws and regulations? And so they it's it's such a deep and in-depth job. There's so much going on with it. You actually need a professional to actually do it. You need an actual professional to sit down and go and and actually to do it on a regular basis. So that's what that's what we're talking about. And the this the CAP certification is called a certified authorization professional. But they're they're changing the name to I don't know if you guys knew this, but anybody who has a cap, they're changing the name of that in February of 2023. They're changing it to a CGRC, which is a certified in governance, risk and compliance, because that's what you're doing. You're making sure that the organization is compliant, has um, is managing their risk and is governing the the information technology and information um, effectively. 
So that's that's kind of what we're talking about. And he's and what Jermaine is saying is it's really hard to get into these jobs with just this certification. And the reason why is because they usually are requiring a um, you to get a like a secret clearance or something like that. Not all jobs, though. Not all jobs. And then somebody asked uh, or added uh, ISO and ISM roles. That means information system security officer or information system security manager. These are all jobs that are more document documentation oriented it's not hands-on you're not configuring firewalls or routers you're not it's not super deep technically but you have to know a little bit about the the back end of all this which is the it like you have to know some basic networking a basic basics of how to troubleshoot a computer what a computer is how it works you have to know the basic like you have to know basic stuff but then they pay a lot of money because you got to be deeper into the regulation side which is a lot more less glamorous but it pays really well. That's what we're talking about. And um, I would agree with you. It's hard to get these jobs, um, but it, it's not impossible. I've gotten I've gotten aerospace jobs with with um, they usually do also require some kind of a clearance. But you can get in a GRC job with just a public trust. Um, but I've also had GRC jobs with nothing with none of that stuff because all they want me to do is write a policy. So there's policy writing jobs too, especially if you have experience doing policy writing and you and you know risk management framework. They do exist. You got to look for them though. You just gotta you got it's gotta. I've got a course on how to do this, like how to how I've been able to do this for years, and I I get jobs often that don't require a public trust, don't require a secret clearance, don't require me to be an American citizen. Um, I I'm finding these jobs, but if you're interested. Um, hit me up in my in the link in description below or hit me up. I don't think I put in the link in this one, but if you look in my bio, you'll see all these links to all this free stuff that I have and um, free downloadables. Um, my my resume is posted out there. Not for long. I think I'm going to take it down or charge for it or something like that. But uh, you can actually get it for free right now. If you're interested, sign up. And I hope that helps. Somebody said, what do you think? What do you do with STIGs after you get them from a VAT team? What's a VAT team? What is a VAT team? After you get them from a vulnerability assessment team? What do you do with STIGs after you get them from a vulnerability assessment team? I guess you're saying. And those STIGs, do they solve or help answer most of the security controls? Um, I currently use EMAS. Okay. This is a very specific question. Um, <laughs> this is a very specific question. Okay. So I'm, a, so I'm assuming your process. So Brent, um, Braden, like the first thing you should know, I hope I pronounced your name right. The first thing you should know is not everybody's process is like yours. So, um, I'm assuming VAT is a vulnerability assessment team and you're getting the STIGs from some other team and you're taking those, those, a STIG is a security technical implementation guide. It's just a, ba a breakdown of how you actually implement security controls. Security controls are like username, password, um, making sure screen protector, screen savers pop up at a certain period of time, making sure if you have multi-factor authentication people that it works, you know, Stig will walk you through the technical, how you put those on the system, on a, a workstation, or on a server or whatever. 
So once you get those stigs, what do you do with them? And do the stigs help you to answer most security controls? So the security vulnerability assessment team. Okay. So um, so the stigs they map to the security controls. They map to the security controls. So when you're putting it in EMAS, and EMAS is a, it's like a database. It's like an online internal database that collects all the security controls on a system. Yeah, pretty, that's my basic, most basic explanation of it. So what we have to do as GRC people is we have to upload we get a system like system A and B and C, right? So let's say system B is going through this uh, certification process and we've got to put every, we got to label, every system has to be in there. On the, Let's say it has five different systems. We have to put all the systems in there and then each one of those five systems has security control features that it has on it. So what will happen is the vulnerability assessment team will do a scan and they'll say, hey, systems five, six, and seven don't have these are are lacking uh pa the passwords are bad the passwords are bad on all these so that's the um, ia-2 right ia2 states that every system must have a username and password and the password and username have to be x 14 characters long and blah 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 right so the stig is just going to break down the technical how you implement it it has its own stig number and it, it's really deep in the weeds about like what is going on. Like it might even have a username and password, but the password is not long enough. So this, this stig will say uh, stig 000583 is that the, the password is not long enough or it's not complex enough. And that will map directly to um, that will map directly to a security control IA dash two or something i it's better for me to show you guys this stuff um it's way better to show you but i don't really have time for that so i'm just gonna answer this question <laughs> um and those stigs um okay do they solve do uh or do they help answer most of the security controls i mean i guess it depends on how it's how it's laid out and somebody Braden, somebody said Braden, um uh, you might you might use use it for gap analysis uh, and so on. Yeah, so that that's where I'm kind of going with this. I have to agree with Jermaine on that. So it kind of depends on the situation, Braden. Like, um, so I'm just kind of thinking about my own situations where I've had this happen. So the assessment team will come, will do conduct their assessment, and they'll come with a report that says, "Hey, fix these." 25 things right and so you from from an ia perspective like you're looking at the nist perspective you're not like seeing stigs every day you're seeing security controls and like you're thinking like how does this map to security controls that's where you're at right i'm just saying this because that, that's where i was at like they would come to me and and i have like a million freaking stigs that are not met and i'm and i'm trying to think of it from the perspective of how do i put this in my security control, my uh, system security plan, right? The EMAS or whatever, Archer, whatever system you have. So what your focus has to, what my focus was, I'll speak from my own experience, was like Jermaine is saying, is like, where are the gaps here? Wh where, what are we missing? 
because our system already has certain controls in place. So now this vulnerability assessment team or security control assessment team, wherever they're calling themselves, they're saying, hey, these you're missing these things here. Now, it's our job to see where the where the gaps are. In other words, we have uh, systems uh, one, two and three are good. They're solid. There's not anything going on. But six, five, six and seven have some some gaps here. And so I would focus on that. Like, OK, where wh what are we missing here? You see, and I'm, I hope this makes sense. So what you're doing is like gap analysis to do some kind of like, what is the impact to our organization? Are we going to lose our assessment because of this? Is this serious enough to where I need to, do we need, can we, how quickly can we fix these things? Do we need a, a plan of action, a milestone for this? What does the organization know about these, uh, these controls? So the controls are made to map uh, to, the controls are made to itemize all the things that are going wrong so that you can so that you can explain this to upper level management uh, mid tier management uh the actual technical in the weeds people it's kind of it's designed to where all of us are on the same page and so that's kind of where you want to go with it you're just trying to reduce the risk by identifying where the gaps are and that's what the security controls are for you know, I know it's, it feels like it's meant to just confuse the hell out of you, but no, it's supposed to just have a language so that all of us are on the same page. And so all you're doing is mapping from the, okay, they said that we don't have this uh, password on there. That maps to IA5, right? And actually any security control assessment team that's worth their salt will already have mapped it for you. They'll have they'll have the NIST there and then the NIST because the thing is the STIG tools actually map it for you already. So it should already be there and that should help you out a little bit. Does it help? Yeah, it, it does. The vulnerability assessment team, their job is to identify issues. So they've done that. They've done their job. Now it's your job to go ahead and take those STIGs and see where the gaps are. Like, okay, vulner, vulnerability one is the passwords are not 14 characters long. We have to document that. So you're going to document that in EMAS in, a, in an implementation statement or in a, however they're doing it, however your organization's doing it, you know. But an implementation statement, you can explain it in there. You can explain it in um, in a plan of action, a milestone, if you guys have that. Any, you've got to document, here's the gap right here. Maybe even upload the STIG into the, I don't know how you guys are doing it. So every organization does a little bit different. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is identify uh, vulner, uh, the gaps, if there, if any. I hope that makes sense. I mean, I'd have to see more, more details of what's going on. This is something I would be able to take it and I would I could run with this. Uh, I'm just new to this area, so I'm kind of lost. Um, I used I used to be help desk. Well, that's awesome, um, uh, Braden. Then that's that's incredible, man. That's just a great opportunity. I know it sounds confusing, but that's the same thing that happened to me. I was in help desk, and I and I kind of got pushed, and I didn't want to do this GRC stuff. Um, it's just the only thing that makes me excited now is that they pay the hell out of me uh, to do it, <laughs> and it's way easier than than help desk. So 
Um, I, what you need to understand, let me just simplify it as best I can by showing you the big picture. So all they're trying to, you as an ISO, okay, as a GRC person, have to see the big picture. You have to, as a help desk person, all you're doing is fixing one computer. Somebody's phone isn't working. It's not connected to the network. So all you're doing is fixing that one thing. Fixed it, done, gone. Close the ticket out, you're out. Like go on service now, close it. You're done, right? So you're kind of playing whack-a-mole on the help desk. You're playing, you're like, oh, oh, we got to fix this laptop. Now we got to fix it, you know. But for the GRC positions, you, you, your perspective is much bigger. You're thinking about the impact to the organization. This is kind of, there was a turning point for me to understand all of this. And here, here it is right here. Let me explain it. You've got to see this from the perspective of the organization. What is the impact to the organization if we do not fix what has been identified by the, by the vulnerability assessment team? That is your job. So when, when Jermaine talked about impact analysis, uh, gap analysis, impact analysis, that's what he's talking about. What is the gap? What, where are we, what are we missing? And the security controls are supposed to identify that. So for example, if you're in EMAS and you know you just got a STIG that states that one of the systems doesn't have username and password, which is crazy. I mean, most systems will at least have that, but let's just say it doesn't have a username and password, right? So you can basically just turn the system on and you're on it. You're on your, you're a system admin or whatever. Um, that's, that's something that needs to be identified. So you can go into EMAS and now where it said, you, you can actually put in, I believe there's a way you can put in EMAS that it it's not, this system is not meeting IA-2. It's not meeting um, SI-3 or whatever it is, like whatever that control is, it's not meeting that. And now the question becomes, what do we do about it? Not not you, not what do you do about it, Brandon? What does the organization do about it? That was another huge realization I have is that I was taking all this pressure. So I was always stressed out. It's like, oh man, what are we going to do? Like they keep finding all these vulnerabilities. What am I going to do? Like, no, it's not what are you going to do? Okay. You're just a reporter. It's what's the organization going to do? Because ultimately the risk is on the shoulders of the organization as a whole. All you're doing is documenting where the gaps are. That's it. And then your job's done. Now, you might have some meetings to coordinate to try to get things fixed and follow up with how to fix it. But you're just going to identify what the problem is in EMAS or in documentation of some sort. That's your job. From going, moving from help desk playing whack-a-mole to not to say that that's bad. We, you know, you need help desk, right? And it's a really important fundamental skills and a good help desk is going to help your job a lot. But they're playing whack-a-mole. You are playing, a, you're playing freaking chess. You have to look at the whole picture and you've got to think, okay, I got to document what's happened with this system. And you got to be blatantly honest about it because you can't sugarcoat it. People are going to, sometimes there'll come times when something's really bad and it's going to embarrass some people, but you just got to document it, right? And they'll want to be mad at you because you're reporting it. They want to be mad at the messenger, but you're not the one who, install the default password on the system. 
you're not the one who likes that happened. You, all you're doing is documenting it in emails and saying, hey, this is not you might even want to call the person who is in charge of that particular system and say, hey, listen, uh, the vet team just I just got this report back is saying there's no password on here. Uh, is this right? Or and they might say, ah, oh, no, nah, we, we have a we don't have we don't use username password. We use multi-factor authentication. Right. That's where the calling and emailing directly to the points of contact comes in. So you got to you got to trust your subject matter experts who know the system better than you do. You got to contact them, Braden, and be like, listen, like I'm getting this stuff on the VAT team. Like, can you does this sound familiar to you? Um, it looks like the the vulnerability logs or the the uh, the event logs are off. Like, is this uh, they're like now nah, the event logs are on. However, you know, we use a different system to extract the logs or whatever the case may be. Right. So it's. It's not all on your shoulders. Uh, initially, I thought it was all on my shoulders, and that's why I was, I'd be real stressed out about it. But you're just a reporter. You're just documenting what's happening. You're taking what the VAT team is saying in technical terms. You're translating it into words that upper-level management can understand, mid-tier management can understand, and the technical team can understand. That's all you're doing. That's your job. It's communicating this information to everyone, you know, in a nutshell. That's what that's what you're doing. All right, guys, I think that's it. I got to get going. Um, Happy New Year. I'll try to get on here again tonight if I can. I'm, I'm seeing so much interaction. I really appreciate all of the all the interaction with everybody. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, I got to go. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Um, and thanks for watching.